This is episode 149 with Dr. Michael Gervais. G'day legends and welcome to Your Life of Impact, where we connect with world-class athletes and coaches, health experts and enthusiasts, inspiring entrepreneurs and community leaders, all to teach you how to tap into your inner excellence. I'm your host, Brett Robbo, and I'm extremely grateful you're joining us today on Your Impactful Journey. Legends, I'm pumped to bring you another episode with one of the world's greatest minds, the world's most sought-after sports psychologist, and a man who practices what he preaches, the humbling and empowering Dr. Michael Gervais. If you care about optimizing your mindset and mastering tools and strategies to improve your life and your performance, and you haven't listened to the first episode I did with Mike, do yourself a favor and invest the time into listening to episode, I think it's number 54 after listening to this one, or you can go to yourlifeofimpact.com forward slash Michael Gervais. When I invited Mike on for this second episode, I had in mind that I would speak a lot about the COVID-19 impact that it's had on him, his business, and the high-performance athletes and high-profile people that he works with. And I thought I'd spend a lot of time talking about all of that and and the impact of COVID-19. Like what I've done with the previous guests who are second timers on this podcast for the last few episodes, because I've I've found that really interesting actually, and I, the feedback I've had from you guys is that it's been really interesting. However, I then decided to change the angle a little bit because many of you listeners were keen to hear more about Mike's true value again, not just his COVID beliefs and COVID experiences. I also sensed that here in Australia, we're experiencing the whole pandemic very differently to other parts of the world. And at this point of recording, which is mid-June 2020, we're kind of coming back to a lot of normalcy in society. Don't get me wrong, I understand some of you and other people you know will be heavily affected for a long time, and I acknowledge that. I also acknowledge that sharing value around how to enhance and optimize our lives regardless of life's challenges, will only benefit all of us. So in this episode, we discuss, yes, what COVID-19 has taught Mike about himself and the world. We discuss how to enhance your confidence, why the world's best athletes and performers don't lose sight of their goals and visions and their purpose, even when their craft is taken away from them, why fundamentally organizing your life is the key to achieving success in your life. We discuss common misconceptions about mindset training. We talk about breath work associated with visualization practices, the power and importance of purpose, mission, and philosophy. This is super powerful. Tune right into that one. We talk about how you can complete his Compete to Create online program and about his new book of this version of Compete to Create coming out, which 
I've already pre-ordered on Audible and I'm freaking excited about that. So you, you'll listen to the details and you can hear how you can pre-order that, which will be released in July. And we also discuss plenty more gold knowledge bombs throughout this episode. And then after this episode, we jumped onto Instagram Live and did a bonus question. If you're keen to hear that five minutes of value <laughs> and get a bit of a laugh because I actually shared something with Mike on that Instagram live that raised a little bit of nervousness within me, then you can jump onto my Instagram page at brettrobo one and click on the Instagram TV section and you'll see it there. So I'm going to do this format now instead of doing the Instagram lives in the middle of the episodes because it was creating, if you've listened to the last couple with Maddie Elliott and with Anthony Minicello and I did the Instagram lives in the middle it was creating a bit of poor quality audio for the podcast and I wasn't happy about that for you listeners. So to get the extra value from the guests with these bonus questions and also keep up with all the other extra material and value I share, follow at brettrobo one on Instagram. You can also find and follow Dr. Michael Gervais online. He's on Instagram at Michael Gervais and same as Facebook and the website is to compete to create.net. I'll just repeat that, competetocreate.net. And he also has his own deep and insightful, valuable podcast called Finding Mastery. Okay, now let's hear from the legend himself, Dr. Michael Gervais. Mike, welcome back to Your Life of Impact. It's great to be here again. Thanks, mate. It's been two and a half years since we had you on last time. It was January 2018 since you're on and it's still one of the most referenced podcasts when I talk to high performance executives that I work with or high performance athletes or just people in my community who are really striving to optimize their life. They've referenced this one so much. They took so much value from it. So thanks again for that. But what a two and a half years it's been. And and especially when I look at where we're at right now and the current world uh, pandemic that everyone's experiencing. So I'd love to hear from you straight up. How has the COVID-19 lockdown and pandemic experience affected you personally and also your company compete to create Mm. well first thanks for the compliment and um do you tell them that we just got really lucky on that podcast you know that like (laughs) we're just making some stuff up and it just flowed really well and (laughs) (laughs) i appreciate it um that's really kind of you and so on the covid piece um yeah okay so let me take a moment on this I think it's a really important part of our history that we are experiencing right now. And at first when it came out, I was like, okay, lockdown, quarantine, solitary, you know, uh, isolation. And I was like, yeah, okay, this is a war. And then I said, wait a minute, you know, and I started to think about that. I started to think about COVID in, in the pandemic in those terms. And I was, you know, kind of, pushing that narrative forward that, or forward that there is a war and it's happening on the front lines, as you've heard that language as well. And it's also on the home front. And the home front is your, your home, your internal home, your body. And the war, and this is something I said a bunch, like the war will be met at your, in, your, um, in your own body. And then I said, I thought that it's wrong. That's, it's a wrong way to think about it. So what are we at war with? A virus. We're at war with bacteria. We're at war with 
something that Mother Nature produced, at least we think. But we're at war with something that um, isn't normal. And so I started to change my thinking around it and kind of based it a bit more on first people's appreciation. Like, hey, we are really, first people meaning natives, we are really dislocated. We're dislocated from our body. We're dislocated from Mother Earth. We are really dislocated. And we're actually needing integration, not war. Like, how do you have war with the planet? And it didn't make sense. So I've, I've been changing the way I've been thinking about it and framing it in my own mind is that it's a, it's a calling for deeper integration. It's a calling for being more attuned to oneself with others and mother nature. And so that's the way I've been thinking about it lately. And I feel internally, I feel like it is um, just that framing has created a little bit of a, more of a harmony for me. So I don't feel like I'm at war. I don't feel like um, I'm battling. And the way it feels for me at this point is that um, that's right, get back to that synergistic rhythm and figure that out and do it like it, in science, we call it like, how many people did you have in your research? Like an N of 15, 15 people. So take an N of one, take an N of one approach and maybe that turns into the N of two and three and four as, as you become the pebble in the pond that creates ripples in your community. What's been a, a shift to allow you to, to do that, to come back to that aspect? I started to, um, like I have a great respect for warriors and I think I jumped on it early because of the language. Modern day and, warriors or past warriors? Yeah, bo both, you know, um, certainly the more noble the cause, the more respect I have for anybody that's going to put their life in harm's way for purpose, you know, whether that's a first responder, um, police or otherwise, you know, or that is uh, an ancient warrior, samurai and, or whatever, like, or our modern day uh, warriors as well, special operators all the way through. And so I have great appreciation for how they organize their life and what they're committed to. And so I started thinking like, I'm not really, this isn't, a, I'm not a warrior. I'd like to be, I think in some respects, you know, but I'm not a warrior at COVID, even COVID sounds jail termy, you know, all this stuff sounds so jaily, you know, like mm. solitary confinement and isolation and lockdown. I'm like, man. So I didn't like the way it felt first um, to feel like I was in jail, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just like you, like I love nature. And then the second is like, I'm not a warrior. Who am I kidding? And to act, to ask other people to be warriors. This is when it was really a light bulb moment. I'm asking other people to be warriors. They're not fit for that. There's a small part of the population that's fit to be a warrior. And my skin curls when I hear athletes talk about, you know, going to battle and being a war, being a warrior, you know, that's not the case either. You know, even in rugged environments, rugged sports, there's a difference, you know, in elite sport and true war. And I just want to hold that with sanctity. And so that's kind of where that came from for me. And then, but if nothing else, like um, I spent most of my life, you know, trying to figure out the rhythms of nature by being in it. Mm -hmm. Surfing was the, the, the sport that I fell in love with uh, early. And so it was kind of a combination of all that. So getting back out in nature more. Yeah. And just remembering, 
you know, and I love that word remembering. It's like mm. putting back together, right? Re, like remembering, like remembering. So, I, so it was remembering where we came from, remembering our first people, remembering first principles that I want to live by. And my first principles are not to beat things back, but my first principles are um, more aligned to understand, to co-create, to um, explore, you know, so those are first principles for me. Mm. And um, so it's going back to first principles, going back to first people, going back to, you know, the relationship with ourselves, others in mother nature and really see if there's a reframe that's better than the language I was handed, which is lockdown isolation. Doesn't COVID sound like a, a like a jail term though? Yeah, it sound I like hadn't heard, I didn't it. thought of that until you said that, but absolutely it does. So when you I'm talk about that number. reframe and with everyone mm-hmm. else to, to help them reframe the situation, because obviously, you know, to reframe and change our mindset and think differently about this and, and to see the opportunities and things like that, is it things like, instead of trying really hard to do that, if you come back to, like you said, if you go out in nature, knowing how we respond at a physiological level, and especially for you personally, knowing what it does. So doing that, that allows you to create more clarity and to reframe the situation better. That's cool. Um, I would say yes. And I put an asterisk next to it. I'd say, yeah, that's good. Like there's good, there's ample data that says, every 15 to 45 minutes after you're doing something, get up and go, go get away from it and then come back. And you'll, there's a consolidation of memory that takes place. There's a bit of a fade away brain that can take place to, to allow things to sink in. And so that there's something to that. There's also good research that being in nature is actually really um, quite a, a propellant for health. And if you can't be in nature, looking out at nature, is a second best and the third best is having a picture with nature somewhere on your wall and so there's something about nature that's really important to us so i'd say yes and what i would add to it is that you, it's really important to know your first principles and so i call it a philosophy like what is my a philosophy is a fancy phrase a fancy word for your guiding principles guiding what guiding your thoughts, your words, and your actions. What are those core principles that guide thoughts, words, and actions? And so if you don't have those clear, then what are you reframing against? And so what we end up reframing against is what the charismatic um, says, or what the, the, the volume of media says, right? And so I, the deep work is to get really clear on first principles, unwavering principles that are going to guide thoughts, words, and actions. And, you know, that's something that some of the great religions of the, the 11 world religions have spent a lot of time thinking about first principles, whether inspired by, you know, a person or um, God or, you know, whatever, like that's a source for many people to turn to and you can do the exercise on your own as well. <clears throat> I've been asking a lot of guests recently if, if they believe that we can thrive in these challenging times and not just go into survival mode. But I want to shift it a bit with you because I feel like in Australia, we haven't been impacted as heavily as you guys have in the States in terms of numbers of affected and unfortunate deaths, but also just the, the rules. We had isolation, but we didn't have full lockdown and we're sort of starting to come out of it here in Australia. It seems like we've handled it pretty well. However, we had the horrific bushfires at the beginning of the year that sort of rocked the nation. 
the whole world right now is experiencing the, the, the racial justice movement. There's been plenty of big global challenges in the past. We're guaranteed to have more in the future and also plenty of more smaller challenges. So I'd love to hear from you, Mike, what, what does it actually mean to you to, for, for someone to thrive? Is that even a terminology that we use? And is that something that we should be aiming for, uh, thinking about in challenging times? Or is it something that should happen or can happen after? Cool thought. And so let's think about, let's use the analogy of a um, competition just because it's, it's got some bumpers to it, right? You've got pre-competition, competition, post. And same thing like the pandemic and or the racial injustice stuff that's happening. There's a pre, there's the actual thing that's happened in post. And the, the, if we stay with the athlete uh, analogy here for a minute, is that much of the, the behind the scenes work happens years, you know, like literally years before. So we call it front loading of training. And then we go into the most, um, hopefully, rugged, high challenge environment to see what we really have, to test ourselves. And some athletes test themselves in the most ancient of ways, you know, where it's just themselves, their hands, their feet, their head with mother nature or with another highly skilled human, consequential or just ego, you know, depending, uh, depending on what sport you're involved in. But it's the front loading that's really important. And then you go run to the challenge. And so it's, it's a miss to say that athletes, you know, let's herald them because they look really good and do amazing things and they get on a podium. That's the miss. The, the, the insight is to pull back the curtain and say, how do they organize their life to excel in environments where many people can't? What are they doing? So they are training. They're training their mind, they're training their body, and they're training their craft. And so it is completely possible to do really well in high challenge environments if you do the front loading. And people ask me all the time, like, Mike, how you doing? And it's kind of this dramatic question, like, how are you doing with COVID and social injustice? My wife is Latina. Um, you know, I'm right in LA, right in the heart of some stuff. Uh, we've got, I've got two businesses that are um, initially were pretty radically affected by the pandemic and now we're figuring it out. And I say, oftentimes I say, you know, I feel like I'm, I've, I've, I'm really built for this. I'm built for uncertainty. I spent my whole life working out how to condition and train myself to live in the present moment more often. And that takes training of mine to live in the present moment because our mind wants to figure out how to stay alive. It wants to figure out survival. It wants to project forward. It wants to anchor in the past, past histories to protect. So that's what our brain is trying to do. And our brain's dictum is survival and it can easily hijack our mind. So our mind is the software that hopefully is running the hardware, the brain. And I'm oversimplifying a very beautiful, complicated, hard problem about being human. How do the mind and brain work together? And so, so that being said, we can train our mind to be in the present moment more often. How? Awareness. It's, it, all good roads are going to point back to awareness. How do we train awareness? Well, there's at least three that I know of that are really important. One is going to be mindfulness. Call it meditation, if you will, but it's mindfulness. It's the practice of deep focus for greater awareness. 
That's one. Second is journaling. That will help. And a third is conversations with wise men and women. That will help too. But mindfulness is the big boulder to get in the container, right? Because it's the practice of becoming more aware of your own thoughts, how they hook and link and stitch together, and how they wrap around with emotions. So how does thought one work with emotion one? Or thought one plus thought two plus thought three plus thought four, get down to emotion one, and then maybe emotion two? Fill in the blanks with names. But it's understanding and then that is the practice of first it comes with awareness. Then you can get to understanding. And um, so in many ways, it's a long way of me getting to a very simple answer, which is I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> you know? and, and people like, can we train for it? Absolutely. I, have a conversation with any world-class performer and they say, yeah, train my ass off. How many years? Well, a lot. Well, what's your day look like? Well, it's kind of consumed with getting better. Getting better at what? Mm the physical, technical, mental part of this thing that I'm going to be challenged on in the upcoming competition. Well, what do you mean fundamental? You fundamentally organize your life. Oh yeah. It, I got this really clear mission. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm like in it all day. Like it's a full-time job. Oh, so, okay. So that, how's that translate to the rest of us? Know your purpose. What is your life purpose? Start there. So with okay. the world-class performers that you've been working with, are they, I think about all the world-class athletes and, and, and modern-day warriors as well that you work with, like the fighter jet pilots and people like that. They might be affected a little bit differently, but let's go world-class athletes or world-class elite executives running massive organizations and people who are purpose-driven. All of a sudden, the COVID hits and their mission and their purpose is actually taken away from them. No. Sorry. Mm. Yeah, that's it. Okay, please yeah. elaborate on that. Yeah. My next part of that question was, are they, because they're prepared for their specific task, are they actually prepared enough to get through something like this when they're, um, it's obviously not their mission and purpose, but when their thing is taken away from them, when they're That's different. Yeah, that's different. Okay. So let's stay with, just for fun, let's stay with the sport thing. Uh, purpose. Okay, so the mission is to be the best in the league, okay? That's a, that's a mission, right? And then you got many missions, like goals that are gonna help you get there. Okay, let's just say that that's a mission. For what aim? Okay, so that, now we're asking, what is the purpose? Well, the purpose is I want to, I want to buy um, a million meals for a million kids. I wanna buy you know, my family, I wanna set them up. I want to build a foundation. I want to whatever, I wanna be famous. I want to, whatever an athlete might say, but there's a purpose that's, that's underneath it. So the purpose isn't taken away, but what's actually taken away is maybe um, they get an injury. So the vehicle that's gonna deliver them to the purpose, it feels like it's been altered now. And so the pandemic has had an altering effect and it doesn't, it, it, if the purpose is really true, that it's not going to, the conditions, these adverse conditions, these unforeseen conditions are not going to change the purpose. They're going to change the nature of how you're going to pivot and adjust towards making sure that that purpose is real for you, that you have a chance. So for example, um, Satya Nadella is the CEO of Microsoft and through the company Compete to Create that I partnered up with Coach Carroll, he's the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. We built this company and Seattle, I'm sorry, and Microsoft is one of our staple, most significant clients, as you can imagine. They have 
just about 200,000 employees. And the purpose is so clear to help every purpose, uh, every person, every organization on the planet achieve more. That's Microsoft's mission slash purpose. Okay. So now that they've got to answer the questions about how are we going to work differently? Do we need to lay off? Do we need to actually hire more? What do we need to do? That's just mechanical. The purpose is still the same because it's true. And there's a science to purpose. There's three components. Purpose needs to be meaningful and it needs to matter to you. It needs to be bigger than you. So it's not just serving yourself. And the third component of the science of purpose is that it's down the road. It's future oriented. Now, how future oriented? There's an art to it. And I'll tell you right now that if, if you don't have, if, if you're, People in your community, I know you have a purpose. If people in your community don't have a purpose and they've been struggling with their life purpose, it's okay. Like it's not easy. And it requires some real deep thinking to sort out those three variables. And you can also short term it. You can thin slice it. Like my purpose for the next three months will be. My purpose for the rest of the year, you know, will be. So you can thin slice it to see how that ladders up one day to life purpose. Last thing, and I'll get off purpose for you here, but it's, it's one of the big, big rocks to get in the container because it really sets, um, it sets the table for the meal that you're going to consume of life. And so Harvard did a 75-year study on fulfillment. And those that were most fulfilled compared to those that reported it towards the end of their life that are not fulfilled, they wrestled with the deep problems of life. They re- so they reported those that were fulfilled. They said, yeah, I really struggled with trying to sort out why am I here? What am I going to do during this lifetime? How am I go- if I accumulate anything, what am I going to do with it when I die? What happens when I die? What is this thing, birth and death and life? You know, like, is there a God? Is there not a God? So they grokked and wrestled with the big problems, big challenges in life. What is love? You know, fill in the blanks, keep going. And so, so here's what I suggest to folks. Spend deep time working out to articulate your purpose in life. Back in clarity, the mission that will allow you to get potentially closer to that thing. And then on, the reg, on a regular basis, like just write, just write them down. What are the big questions in life? And then who do you want to have these conversations with? What books do you want to read about them? You know, where do you want to go get some information and make that kind of mechanical, you know, because if you want to have a fulfilled life, that's what they're telling us is that they wrestled with the hard questions in life. They didn't say they solved them. They just wrestled with them. Feeling that fear of actually going deep and then moving into that and actually doing that, that work. Yeah. I mean, what, and what do we have to be afraid of? You know, like it's the right, you're, you're, you're totally in the right vibe. It's like, that sounds so scary. Well, shit, no one knows. Like, maybe the Dalai Lama's got it worked out. You know, like, <laughs> you know, like, but I don't know anyone that knows. I know people that love to explore and they have got great questions. And I'll ask a question, they'll ask a better question. We'll grok and wrestle with it. And then, you know, we'll finish our pint. You know, like, it's awesome. And I love those people. I love being around those. They're so switched on and curious and, you just know there's so much underneath and they just want to go explore as well. Like it's awesome. Those are some of the most fun 
conversations and the most dynamic people are people that have, they understand their, the dark side of being human. They faced it. They experienced it. They are not playing to be a certain way. They, they embrace their wounds and scars and they have the courage and vulner- through vulnerability to talk and share about them. And so, um, shit, man, if you can't be real, like, I, I don't got time for it, you know, like really mm. just, you know, I, holy moly. It's just, we, how many, 1440 a day. That's what we get. 1,440 minutes a day, moments a day. Like I don't got time for the bullshit of like, look at me. I look good. I, I suffered from that too long for too much of my life. And so. Well, speaking of mission and purpose for compete to create, you guys work with the organizations with the mission to empower and educate the next generation of leaders through mindset training and personal development. There's so many different areas we could jump into there, but I would love to hear from you. What's, what's the most common misconception or misaligned approach people take when it comes to mindset? I know I have elite athletes or CEOs or managers of organizations who come to me and say, I want mindset coaching or we need mindset coaching for our team. And for me, I believe sustainable, empowering and abundant type mindsets are only available kind of after a lot of other work of mental and emotional uh, intelligence and understanding and enhancing the, you know, the emotional and somatic intelligence areas takes place. So what have you found? What's the some of the most common misconceptions or misaligned approaches when it comes to the mindset coaching. I haven't met a world-class coach or athlete that doesn't say or nod their head up and down that the mental part of the game is important. So great. How do you train it? Even the best don't have a really clear understanding because we start getting in this mumbo jumbo language really quickly. And here's why the mind is invisible. So it's hard to see it. You know, we know that it has impact we know that there's a thing there, but we just can't see it maybe yet. And so the misconception is that because you're smart, that you know how to condition your mind. Because you have a mind, you know how to work with it. That's a misconception. If you haven't formally trained your mind, you probably don't know really what you and I are talking about. And so what are we talking about? We're talking about two basic lanes, if you will, when it comes to the mind. Self-discovery, that's one lane. And let's oversimplify. Another lane is mental skills. Now, just like you practice physical skills, you can practice mental skills. So physical or technical skills are like, you know, for surfing, like bottom turning or whatever, right? Like there's technical things that you're working on. Mentally, same thing. So confidence is a skill, knowing how to um, be calm with the right type of intensity is a skill. It's a very elusive skill, but you can practice it. Knowing how to relax is a skill. Knowing how to focus deeply in the present moment is a skill. Trainable. These are all trainable. And you do these in sets and reps. Okay. Outlook, like optimism, like um, let's just stick with optimism. Optimism and pessimism are learned behaviors. I have not yet met a world leading fill in the blank, athlete, artist, entrepreneur, businessman or woman. I have not met one that fundamentally believes the future's not gonna work out. Mm -hmm. So if you're a cynic or a pessimist, (laughs) 
Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, what are you doing? You're protecting yourself from what? From From shit going wrong because you want to hedge your bet. Well, shit, you ain't going to figure out potential that way. You're not going to figure it out. So optimism is a trainable skill. So let's train it. And there's good science to support it. Um, Mindfulness is, this is where mindfulness is awesome. You know, it's a skill, it's a state, and it's also a trait. Right. So not to oversimplify this, but mindfulness is really unique, is that the ability to focus in the present moment is a trainable skill. Non-judgmentally being aware of what's happening inside of you and outside of you is a skill. Because again, the brain just wants to judge and critique and protect. That's what it wants to do. So it's a skill to override that. And that takes practice. And then eventually it becomes a state, like I'm more aware. And then it becomes a trait where you don't have to really prime the pump. You just become more aware. And so, um, so those are skills and you can train them. And is it hard? No, it's not even hard to understand. Like how do you train confidence? Self-talk. That's not hard. And you can figure it out yourself or you can go to the gym with somebody, call them a psychologist or whatever. You know, you can go to the gym with somebody. You and I can figure out how to walk from, you know, Brisbane to Sydney. We could figure out how to do it. Right. It's so much better if somebody's done it before and they actually drew a map and they said, Hey, there's this cliff and these potholes and this, that, that. And we go, thank you. Appreciate you. Thank you so much. You want to go with this? Yeah. I charge though for my time. I charge for my, my the past I've already been and the, the scrapes I already have. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to go up with you. That's, that's what's having a coach or a sports psychologist or a psychologist or whatever. You know, that's what that's about. You just said there that confidence is self-talk. So self-talk can obviously take us in that pessimistic, doubtful direction as well. So you're saying because confidence is also a skill. So is it the skill of creating the self-talk that is optimistic in alignment, um, stimulates the the courage to move towards that and the belief? Or are you saying that the self-talk is, is it, I guess the first step is probably the awareness of that. And then it's the shifting of that. Yeah, there you go. You got it. Awareness, then skill. That's how you layer these together. So all roads begin, you know, with awareness, awareness of what's happening in the present moment without judgment, critique, just be aware. And then if, um, if it's working, then you just kind of stay the course. And if it's off just a little bit, then you need a mental skill to come back, you know, to return. Mm. Um, and so let's just do confidence and self-talk confidence is here's what confidence is, right? It's a state. It's a very temporary state meaning that we always have to keep working at it. It's no different than um, kind of that elasticity coiled up after you've warmed up a little bit and your muscles can, you know, they've just got that springy coily to it. That's a state. And you got to do some stuff to get into that state. You can't just roll out of bed and be springy for most people. I was a sprinter and a sprints and jumps coach. I know exactly what you're talking about. I love that feeling. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't it awesome? Yeah. And so you got to work to get there, right? Mm. Yeah. Same with confidence. Okay. And so um, how do you work to get there? You become aware of what you say to yourself about yourself relative to the challenge ahead. And so the challenge ahead is always different. Your state is always different. So there's this interplay between taking an inventory of you and taking and um, trying to appraise, it's a technical term, trying to appraise the demand ahead. And so again, let me start actually with this with the definition confidence is I'm going to do layman's. I'm pretty sure. I, th- I think, I think I can, I think I can get that done. That's confidence. 
it's not like I'm going to do that's arrogance. You know, it's like, there's somewhere a little bit more humility, a little bit of loving the uncertainty. Like, look at that. I think I can get that thing done. You know, that's the, okay. So what is that? That's based on your self-talk. Now your self-talk has to be credible. So any, you, you and your folks that haven't done this work on confidence, here's, it's so simple. And this is what we teach in Compete to Create, right? So in Compete to Create, we pull back the curtain um, and we show you exactly how we train your mind based on how we've trained world-class athletes for a long time. It's an eight-week online course. I think it's some of my best work. Like, I love it. And um, I know maybe I've got this little edit in the back of my mind, like, Mike, why are you talking about your business? Like get to the science and sharing the science. But it's like, I love it. It's like, I want to show you the painting that I've built. And uh, yes, it feeds my family too. You know, it's all of that. (laughs) But that's Um, what we want to hear about. Obviously, because of all your experience and you pull it all together, that's that's the way that 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 ripple effect from, like you talked about, through the pond competing. Yeah. Allowed you to, I believe, to to get that ripple effect even further. And so, so... So here's, let, let's do the, the, um, the application here is um, your self-talk has to be based in something that is bedrock, that is credible. So this is where the work comes in. Okay. So let's say that you can, the first step is like, well, how do I talk to myself when I'm on point? When I'm looking at something going, yeah, yeah, yeah I got that. I, I think I can got this. I, I can get this thing done. Well, it's going to be tough now. Like that's an epic kind of like. Uh, you get right up on the edge, your whole DNA lights up. You've got this great neurochemistry. Your electricity is on point. You got lots of good beta mixed with some alpha brain waves, you know, like all that geeky stuff that you and I can go talk about. But you get that electric vibe. Like I'm right on the edge. I think I can get this done. We, we Brains love that. Our brains crave that. But it's not easy because it can spill over to red high alert like, oh, shit, it can go into that place quickly. And so for many people, that spillover into the panic is so overwhelming that they hedge their bets. They hedge it with like creativity, doubt, self-critique, you know. Um, did I say creativity? I didn't mean creativity. Yeah, no, I didn't mean that. They hedge it with criticalness, <laughs> you know, critique, not creativity. They hedge it with like kind of this narrative that that constricts us rather than allows us to get free on the edge. Okay. So then, so then when you're in that place, what does it sound like in your head? So I sat down with, I'll tell you a quick story. Um, this is fun. I don't know if you and I've talked about this, but I, I was fortunate enough to corner three championship fights in the UFC. No, I haven't heard this one. Yeah, this is, this is an incredible (laughs) little journey that I was on. And so, um, so it's the head coach, myself, and the cut man, and the athlete. And um, is that what they call the athlete, the, the cut man? No, the cut man is the person that puts the um, when when literally, the athlete gets in, literally the fixes the cut. In the <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. So there's four. There's four of us, right? There's myself, the head coach, the athlete, and the cut man is mm-hmm. um, the person that manages the bleeding. And so as we started down this project, working together as a, as a team, um, as in conversation, so I know, I know the science, blah, 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 about confidence and what we're talking about. And so I say, this is where it gets fun and it gets real. He's a championship fight coming up. He's one of the best on the planet in his weight class. And I said to him, so what's it sound like in your head when you're on point? He says, there's no thoughts. And I was like, yeah, okay. I know. I mean, he was kind of being a jerk about it, you know, because we both know that that's the ultimate, like the no mind, 
call it flow state. Athletes call it the zone. Musicians call it being in the pocket, you know, like, okay, great. Now underneath that though, what percentage of time, I'm not, 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 not the percentage yet. What does it sound like when you're in your head? He says, I'm a tough MFR. He used the actual words, right? I'm a tough mother effer. So I looked at him. I said, okay. I said, can you back it up? He kind of cocks his head a little bit, leans forward. He says, yeah, what my dad's ass when I was 14. I said, okay. And so I'm kind of like, I'm noticing the intensity. And so then I ask, mind you, I'm trained as a psychologist, right? And so like, okay, so I'm watching this. And then I say, okay, you back it up again? He says, yeah, my last fight, it was an end game position. I broke out of it, choke hold, dragged, uh, threw him on my back, dragged him across the ring, dumped him on, um, on his back and finished the fight. I'm a tough MFer. I was like, oh, damn. Okay. Could I go one more time? Could I ask me? So I said, all right, you got anything else? And he says, yeah. If someone were to ask me one more question, I might choke him out. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. You gotcha. Okay. Do you back so, yourself in that moment? <laughs> yeah, right. And then I was like, oh my God. Like I, I I'm doing my appraisal, like, hey, yeah, this isn't gonna work out right. <laughs> not, a, not a chance. So um, so it set me down this path to say, okay, for folks that haven't he's done his work, unless he just manufactured it right there, which is a which was a wonderfully crystallizing moment for him and me, but more for him to say, yeah. I've earned the right to say I'm a tough MFR. I said, so when you get challenged, you know, is that what you want to say to yourself? He's like, yeah, I can do anything with that kind of vibe. Great. So never, so then we, we spent a lot of times, you know, figuring out how to never abandon that. So how do you not abandon something? How do you not turn your back on your history is be really clear what your history is. And so he was very clear about his history. We wrote stories about it. We talked about it. We, shined it in a way that it's like that's front as opposed to the how scary another human looks and then I, all of a sudden i'm going to abandon all of my history and allow my brain to take over when really my mind is what's happened my mind has not been conditioned and trained to work with my brain right because the brain is trying to survive and the mind is saying no no this is what you're built for you've earned this are you tough or not yes you're tough Let's go. So all of that's happening nanoseconds. And the more work you put in on the way that you want to speak your, to yourself based on what you've actually earned, then it becomes real. Sorry, I just want to in, in ask something there. What if I am, even if I've got to a place where I'm, I'm a leader or an athlete, or if I'm somewhere in life and that that optimistic lover of life i like to call myself that but i'm thinking of other people who value their physical mental emotional well-being and want to optimize their lives all these leaders but a lot of our history we don't actually there's not there's a lot of things in our history that tell our mind that i'm not good enough based on failures or experiences that have actually derailed us from our visions goals yeah there you go so what are you going to do about that, huh? What are you going to do about all this relevant, real information that says you don't have what it takes? You got to work with it. So you can't BS yourself. It doesn't work. Fake it till you make it. How ridiculous is that? Mm. You know, like, would you, do you want to buy something that's fake? No, but you should live it. I mean, it makes no kind of sense. Like, so 
you embracing all of your scars and your wounds and the stuff where you came up short you've got to figure out a way to frame that you know like something as simple as um you know i'm a i'm a i'm a resilient mfer <laughs> like you can't like i'm just, i don't know what i'm keep going mm. so like that so reframing it back up to the purpose like you know what purpose is big now so when purpose is big you'll deal with pain when purpose is small and you feel pain, you're in trouble. Mm. You'll give in to the pain. How about that as a thought? Right? When pain is bigger than purpose, pain will win. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, and I'll just share this as a note of sensitivity here is that nobody's getting through this life without trauma. Big trauma or little trauma. Big T or little T. Mm. You know, we're, we're, we're not passing through this thing without it. So let's get good at dealing with things that are difficult because, you know, they're likely going to happen in the future. From this point forward, you're likely going to experience something that's going to be really hard. And the more that you can front load your ability to be nimble and to adjust eloquently to hard emotions, the better off um, the trajectory could become. The less you'll be stuck, if you will. And so the difficult emotions are um, something on the sad scale and something on the fear scale. Those are the difficult emotions. Unfortunately, anger is not difficult. It's relatively easy. Joy is relatively easy. You know, so I think many people are actually quite afraid of joy because there's a, um, there's a recklessness that can come with it. You know, people pull back it's so overwhelming. It's so wonderful that we pull out of it sometimes way too early. And so dealing with be, being skilled at dealing with difficult emotions, that's the inner game really. So the self-talk will is what allows you to get on the edge to feel what it's like to be right on the edge of out of control and control. And then to deal with the unintended consequence that might happen, whether it's life, limb, ego, money, or some sort of emotional difficulty like embarrassment. Can you handle that? If you can't, become a cynic, become a pessimist, become a critic. If you can't handle, if it won't go well, if it might not work out well. So that reframing aspect that you talk about, it's, it's kind of that acceptance piece where, like you said, it's not about lying to ourselves about the, the history. It's not about trying to run away from it if we've made mistakes or had quote unquote failures or, you know, experience these big challenges that are, and we believe these stories that we've created, but it's actually reframing and accepting and saying, okay, that's actually a part of what has happened. And wow, I'm a stronger version because of this, or like you said, I'm a, I'm a resilient MFA because of that. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. And, you know, and, and then snap it back to your purpose. If you can, if you can do that work ahead of time mm -hmm. and you say, yeah, of course I'm going to get banged up and bruised. Like that purpose is gnarly, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, like I'm not, what do I think? I'm just going to like, you know, have a Zamboni in front of me and have smooth ice. You know, like, that's not how this thing works. Mm. You know, you've heard the saying, you know, being a marin, being an ocean minded person, like um, the best sailors don't pray for calm waters. They pray, they pray to be tested, you know, by the rough seas, you know, so it's a whole different approach, right? Like, mm. are you working on avoiding pain? Because um, 
you know, you, you find some bubbles there that you, you know, whatever, but are you really committed to figuring out what you're capable of? Mm. And that's, that is, that's a thin herd approach to life. Most people talk about it, but it truly is a thin herd. I being conscious of time too, obviously we could dive into that. But one thing that we covered last time that people were really interested was imagery. So we spoke a lot about the, the details. You gave us some really good information. So I would recommend that everyone go back and listen to that episode again, or just find anything online that, where you're speaking about the imagery. But what I would love to just uh, explore with you, and this is something I spoke to, to Mick Fenning about a couple of days ago when I was told him that I was going to be speaking you on the podcast. But we, with the, I have a little bit of input for him for the second part of the question. But what I would like to know first is, is there, when you, when you help train people, so not just athletes, but, but anybody that you work with to help them dive into the imagery work. There's obviously a lot of foundations that you lay and a lot of clarity that you do with them. Uh, like you said there with the fighter too, that you're doing a lot of writing and things like that. But I'm really curious to know if there is or your experience and belief around uh, breath for imagery and where I'm coming from that is that I do a lot of breathing coaching in different styles with different people for different elements and different aspects. And I've been exposed to some, some great methods to help us flow into that liminal space, which seems to be an amazing space for, for clarity to, to do imagery. So I'm curious to know from you if there's any specific breathing methods you use with the majority of leaders or athletes that seems to work better and to help shift their energetic conditions and allow them to flow uh, into that openness and clarity for the, for the imagery work. Yeah, cool. So let's, let's pull apart breathing for just a moment is that it's a skill. Imagery is a skill as well. So back to that skill lane versus the self-discovery lane. Um, they're both skills and they're really important. And um, when I'm doing breathing work, there's like super deep technical stuff, like which lobe is moving first. There's that type of stuff. And then there's more, let's call it um, more uh, broad strokes, which is like cadence of breathing. So each breath has four parts, you know, so how many parts on the inhale, how many parts on the pause at the top, how many parts on the exhale and how many parts, parts at the pause at the bottom, you know, is it box breathing? Is it something that is more rectangular, you know? And like, so we play, we play and look for the responses. So most of my breathing work is parasympathetic. Um, uh, I'm working on helping people that are primarily sympathetic dominant activated on ish, you know, anxious, if you will, and helping them switch on or activate their parasympathetic, which is that rest digest system in the brain. And so most of my work is helping to quiet the mind by turning on the parasympathetic. And so long exhales longer than inhale is where most of the work happens for me. Brilliant. And that allows them to sort of just calm the mind, get out of our head, connect, and then from that space, it's, it kind of widens their lens and, and allows them yeah. to, to do literally that. widens. Yeah. Literally widens the lens and what it, it's almost like it clears the theater of the mind. Mm. And so you're giving one simple task for the attention to focus on for one's attention to focus on, which is inhale sensation, pause sensation, exhale sensation, you know, and then 
And then after a while, a long exhale is a signal to the ancient part of the brain saying, hey, you, you figured out how to get away from the lion. Nice job. Like you're okay. You've got the luxury of taking a long breath. There's no immediate threat. And doing that um, eventually gets us to a place where the theater is the theater stage is left for us to create. And it's a bigger theater stage. So you can explore once you get into imagery um, if, if you choose to do imagery at that point. Mm. Mick was saying that he, he actually laughed and said, I wonder if Mike remembers uh, that he, not he made me, I wonder if Mike remembers that I ended up bawling my eyes out in his office our first session. <laughs> and I said, he said, oh, he probably won't talk about it and release that information. But he said, I'm, I'm happy for you to share that with him. <laughs> no so, comment. Yeah, I get him. I, yeah. My comment to Mick was, I bet that's I bet that's the case with most people that sit in his office the first time. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I'll say that, um, like I said earlier to you, like, uh, I don't have time, you know, like this is my, I, I, this is my shortcoming that I hope I turn into some sort of asset, which is like, Hey, let's go. Mm. You're here for a reason. Let's go. And then let's not, fill in the blanks of the narrative that you've told every freaking person and yourself 15 times. Let's, let's go somewhere different. And then what I'm doing when I work with folks is I'm watching all the micro expressions. I'm watching what the body's talking about. And then I've got these science frameworks behind me about where to go explore. And I'm just holding each of us accountable to live in that space that we're in. And oftentimes it becomes like hard. It's just hard to do. And so that's the self-discovery work. And I will tell you, if you spent, so say you want to pick a lane, ah, psychology, I want to train my mind. Great. Should I start with self-discovery or should I start with, you know, the block and tackling of the imagery and breathing and this, that, and the technical skills, mm. the dividends are in discovery. You know, once you know who you freaking are, nobody can take it away from you. Yeah. And then you get some, you get some nice little kind of skills and tools to sharpen it up and keep it really crisp. It's radical. It's so good. It just takes longer. So most people want the skills to practice skills because it's kind of easier. I just don't think you can do one without the other. Uh, brilliant. I love it. Being very mindful of time, Mike, there's so many different areas that we could go, but we're going to actually jump on and do a short uh, bonus question here now on Instagram live. So I have put it in the intro and people can hear it again in the outro where to find you online and especially compete to create check out that online program like what you spoke about research more hear more of your uh, wisdom from from everywhere that you're available online is there anything else you'd like to to leave with us just before we finish up i got two things one i want to say thank you i always, i love our conversations man and i think it's because you give so much space for me to rant and so <laughs> i want to say thank you for holding the space and um, I really appreciate it. So thank you for that. The second bit of news is that um, I, I got a book coming out. Oh. I bought it. Yeah, July 9, you know. Um, so I don't know when this will drop for you, but uh, this episode will be released before or after. But so I'm super excited. It's basically um, every, everything that um, is in the digital course. I've turned it into the best I could, some stories to support it and some good science in there. And so the name of the book is called Compete to Create. And um, you can get a pre-launch copy and all that good stuff if you just punch over to competetocreate.net and we'll get you set up there. And so I'm super stoked on it. So Brilliant. Coach Carol and I wrote it together and um, I'm, I'm excited about it. 
Brilliant. Well, this episode is coming out before that date. So for everyone to jump online there and to do the pre-order copy, that's I'm excited by that, Mike. Thank you. So over here in Australia, we can uh, indulge in that as a book. We don't need to be online and uh, embracing in your workshops and things like that. I love, love a good book. So I'm excited about that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Appreciate and it. Yes, I did give you time to rant because one thing you mentioned there earlier was around um, listening to other people who have had the experience and listening to uh, elders in our communities. So I'm always open for that because I know I understand that that's where true wisdom comes from, from your experience. Appreciate you. Mike, you're a legend. You're a genuine soul that is creating a massive impact in the world. Keep shining your holistic, authentic light to the world, my man. Appreciate you. Boom. If you want to get results and live in alignment with purpose, passion, a mission and philosophy and truly make the impact you dream of, then you must fundamentally organize your life to ensure this. I freaking love that philosophy. That's what I learned from a lifetime in high performance sport. It's not about just turning up for training. It's about every choice in your daily routines and rituals that either contribute to your vision and success or detour you from your goals and visions. Seriously, guys, consider this deeply and add to that the clarity of learning your purpose, mission, and philosophy and start living your truest life. Don't forget to check out the bonus question on my Instagram page at brettrobo1 where we share a laugh and Mike drops more gold knowledge bombs there. Jump on to at brettrobo1 to follow all of that and also on to competetocreate.net to order Mike's new book and follow he and Coach Carol online. Also, take a pic of where you're listening to this episode and tag Mike and I on social media on Facebook or Instagram and let us know your key takeaways. We learn from how you guys learn and take value from these episodes and we love hearing from you. And as always, remember, this is your life journey, your life of impact.